is Red Summer. And this is Hanifa Walida. And we are your gay aunties. I hope mm. you all are well. Mm-hmm. Yes, usually. Well, we well, kind of. Actually, actually, I'm not that well, girl, because I, I went in and I danced last night. I went Ooh. to the Ego, which is his boys' club, but the DJ that first Fridays, Ron Pullman. Okay. Stop the madness. Got your life. Got your I got life. my life, and I'm feeling my age this morning. Okay. Not a, a, a love hangover. <laughs> <laughs> a four on the floor hangover, baby. Yeah. You know, always. All right, listen. We're going to get into um, the show because we're really excited um, about um, this show. Yes. Because we um, are really honored, lovingly honored, to introduce um, two gentlemen mm. to uh, the the gay auntie um, uh, love fest. But <laughs> <laughs> these officially are the first gay uncles. <laughs> All right, the first gay uncles. Okay, um, the first gay uncle that we have introducing hey, Jamal Foray. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. And also, um, my brother from another mother, both in, uh, well, brother from both me and Red's other mother. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Timum West. Woo! Woo! He gets the snaps. What's up, y'all? <laughs> <laughs> and um, we're really glad to have these two uh, brothers on here because they definitely are uncles. You know, um, we all um have lived the same chunk of history for the most part in this world that we live in so um they, they coming at us as well with much that what me and Rick can come at with you um and that is as much knowledge as we can provide that we've been given mm-hmm. and that we can then share okay Absolutely. so so okay um the reason we brought uh timum and jamond on the show is because this is a topic that me and Red have skirted around in previous episodes, but we kind of held off because we said we really should not talk about this until we get some brothers up on here, all right? Yeah. And both Timum and Jamon, they are educators, they are advocates, they up in it, they have been in it, they have experienced life to the fullest, they have given to life to the fullest, and they have reproduced life. <laughs> <laughs> They've done it all um, as men um, and beautiful human beings, so we're really glad to have them here and um, we're going to get into the topic of the day, which is girl and boy relationships. Mm. And what we mean by that is sometimes the girls are on this side and the boys are on that side. And we just are asking the question why, <laughs> you know. Um, so, well, guys, hello. Welcome. Hello. What's thanks up? for having us. It's good to be here. <laughs> it is wonderful. It is wonderful. What's going on with y'all? Just, 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 just catch us up real quick. Little kiki session before we go into it. Jermaine, you, you want to go first? I can. Uh, I'm here. I'm happy to be here. I'm out living my best life as usual. Um, today, I am celebrating my four-year-old daughter's birthday. Like you said, I'm not only a gunkle, but I'm somebody's daddy. Um, yeah, so you got to be careful daughter. with that daddy word. You might get people excited. <laughs> I'm single. Ask me how I know. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, but yeah, my daughter turned four today, so that that's my world today. I'm pausing Yay. from the cause to come kick it with y'all, and I'm excited to be here. But that's what's happening in my life. Oh, beautiful, beautiful. beautiful. How about you, T? Uh, I'm well. Like I said, I, prior to this call, I do a lot of uh, help and innovation for young people, and I was working with a group of mostly young women of color on organizing the first ever. Young Women's Health Summit. So it's for girls, by girls. They're going to be different topics, talking about different health issues. I would love to find a way for them to talk to you both. Mm. Uh, just about th- anything connected to wellness and health. And, and just, I think it just, it's, I'm excited about it because it's going to be a global digital call. Like one Saturday every month, they're going to have different topics. And girls from all around the world can come on this thing and, and learn about different topics. Everything from human trafficking to disparities among women of color and health and you know things like you know girl issues and how there's so much shame attached to girls bodies and uh cycles and things like that so i'm you know i'm kind of stepping away from the details of it but i am really excited that it's happening when i looked it up i was like there's there's no like young women's health anything and i was like that's i found that surprising but it, it actually says a lot about our culture and about young women and their bodies that there's not like a young women's health 
anything. What do you mean, like in the United States and all of the United States or in well, Cincinnati? Literally, in the United States, I think in California there was an effort in the Bay Area to do like a one a one day one young women's health thing, but there's nothing. There's never been anything that was designed by girls for girls about uh, health. that's the key take there mm-hmm. right for and yeah, i think that yeah. and i think that's really important too right that like mm-hmm. you know uh you know i think some of the adultism that says like oh you know, they don't know anything about their bodies or their health they can't talk about these issues until they're grown i think that's oh, part of the issue now, right yeah, exactly yeah. right <laughs> that's, that's what it is is young people included in the conversation as an afterthought. There's a number of things out there where, you know, there's an adult conference that features something for young people, but if we're working at moving the needle on causes and issues that affect young people, we've got to do it with them at the center and having them plan and participate in this thing. So I'm so Amen to that. excited yes. to hear what Ashe, you're Ashe. Well, listen, I, I can just tell you right now that me and Red are definitely open to do any sort of kind of collaboration that makes sense for both, you know, because... You know, I mean, that's one reason why we started this podcast, you know, yeah. to support young people living their best lives. You know what I'm saying? At least and supporting also, the pitfalls. <laughs> yeah, last year, I my students did a big campaign on, well, year before last, on making sure that they got a robust health education in schools because a lot of it was taken out with the abstinence-only conversation. Mm-hmm. Um, so all the rest of the education that they would get around health, you know, kind of like the stuff that we got, um, they don't have any access to that information other than magically knowing what questions to put in the search box in Google <laughs> to get the answers that they're looking for. Right? Exactly. <laughs> or the asking their friends that don't know nothing. Right. That's a topic on another episode, like accent. The why are your friends your point of reference? They know as much as you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay, if not less. Okay, don't ask your friends on no real advice. Ask a grown person that loves you. But we've got to be careful to like check the reality there. And when I don't have money or I don't have food, my mm-hmm. friends might provide for me, right? My mm-hmm. parents might not be available. The adults mm-hmm. in my mm-hmm. life that mm-hmm. care might not show up. So I've grown used to depending on people who are my peers and who are close in age with me to provide me with everything else. Why not? learn about sex from them yeah there's an adversarial relationship um in a lot of young people's lives with adults right so um i'm going to magically trust you with my my health questions even though i can't trust you with my personal well-being i can't Mm. trust that you believe in me that you think that i'm a good student and that i'm capable right (laughs) so there are so (laughs) many other barriers to why children don't immediately go to those adults well, and I think there's also the things that are related to, like, adult shame around their own health and bodies and, like, that they project that on the kids. Like, exactly, because adults aren't perfect, yeah. I mean, I was, actually, one of the last things I did before leaving Atlanta a couple of years ago was uh, there was a, a teacher at a, at a public school that told an 11th grade girl that she couldn't possibly know she was a lesbian. <sighs> Exactly. Wow. And now, oh, fortunately, wow. this black like, girl. Bitch, I knew when I was six. Right. <laughs> Fort, fortunately, this this black girl happened to have a black mom that was like super ally, like yeah. went up to the school like, what? Like, you know, um, and they had to do an intervention. But just like this idea that like kids don't know who they are. or People don't know. Interestingly enough, and this may be an interesting segue, Jaman and I met at a youth camp, a youth yes. leadership camp. Hmm. Um, nice. And one of the things that we had to deal with there, even though we hadn't had conversations about each other and who each other was, but there were, you know, there were young lesbian girls at the conference. We had gender non-conforming youth, and this was mostly black youth. And and we were with the woke of the woke adults, right? We were like, with the woke of the woke adults, but there were some problematic. To know everything. There were some problematic things that happened, <laughs> uh, in, in 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 terms of like how we relate to, especially like even just the whole concept of let's do the co-ed thing and separate people by gender, as a deterrent to like having sexual. I'm like that's gonna be wonderful for some of these girls, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know, a lot of folks you know, but like even lives. just the thinking that like we we still are in a binary way of thinking about gender and sexuality and uh i was fortunate enough to support one young person 
who was gender non-binary wanted to be. We asked, like, where are you most comfortable? Uh, They wanted to be with the boys. And it was fine. It was, you know, it was, I think kids get it. I think adults get in the way often of the way that kids show up in all their fullness. Um, And I think it's some of those very same attitudes that I think speaks to the divide and mm-hmm. between even like queer men and queer women, right? Like, are you know, large, you know, lesbians and gay men, or however we want to frame that, is like, um, I had the fortune of through Black Alphabet showing uh, same difference uh, last year at the Black Alphabet Film Festival here in Cincinnati, and I had never seen it before, and I'll be honest, like I was really blown away, mm. um, and I think. Most of the gay men were like, oh, well, you know, this is the film for them. And I was like, no, we really need to be in the space and see it. And when they saw it, was like, for a lot of them, it was like, I never, I had no idea. And it was like, you know, because I've always been like the, like America's favorite lesbitarian. Because uh, <laughs> I've always had women. I've always had queer women, lesbian women in my life. That's just always been the thing for me. I, I came out with lesbian women. The, the first person told me I was gay was a lesbian. Same we were at, at a record shop and she was like, you family. And I was like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> <laughs> and I said, did she just clock me in the record store? She's just like, you just got a vibe about you because I don't present as like, hey girl. But yes. she was just like, there's an energy. It's not straight. Whatever it, whatever it is. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> it, it's masculine, but it's not a straight masculine. And I was like, wow, she just read me, but she was right. Uh, and mm. so those are the sisters that actually introduced me to my gay life were, were, were women of color. And um, so I, I, I always had a hard time like when my friends would be like, well, what are they like? You know, like, okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. What, what, are, the, right, what like, are the lesbians like? Bruh, 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 bruh. Let's, let, let, let's stop right there because that's going to bring us into what our topic matter. Because you just saying, I'm like, really, Negroes? Really? <laughs> Am I wrong, Jamon? Oh, no. Oh, no. See, I don't think... I, I've never experienced that on the women's side where women are like, well, how are them niggas really? Like, I was like, because oh, we always have y'all in our life. Yeah. And to some degree of love, I've never heard from some other lesbian that act like she ain't never hang around a Negro before. <laughs> you know, fam on the other side of the river before. We always take the boat to the other side of the river. <laughs> so what I think is showing up now with people kind of my age and younger is this really weird situation where people are in their spaces and not mixing. Um, mm-hmm. I think what you're speaking of is for you guys who are just a little bit older than me, I'm not calling nobody old here, just a little bit older than me though, but. <laughs> You know, y'all can, I I sit around with Timon because he regularly reminds me that I'm the same age as his daughter. But when I sit around with him and some of our other friends, they will go coast to coast, city to city, naming every gay club that used to be that's gone now and sharing experiences and talking about who was there. And everybody was like, I was there too. And they'll talk about a specific night and somebody clear across the room will go, I was there that night. And this is what happened. Those moments where in those spaces where there was community built, right? And there was the ability for people from different walks of life to come and build community in these safe spaces that don't exist anymore. So I think now what we're seeing is people who might be late bloomers like myself coming out late or who might just have grown up not having those spaces where everybody is and everybody gets together. Well, I think that's a generational thing as far as access to space, period. You know, yeah. back in the days, it was very, I mean, back in the days before our generation and during our generation, or rather, let me put it like this, before our generation, there's definitely a lack of space, of safe space for both sides. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, it was just more, it made more sense. It's just, oh, you know, roll together and just protect each other, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. And I think our generation was the one that really started, um, there was an increase of space. We started making space by yeah. hook or crook, whatever we were into. Like, Tim, mm-hmm. you know, we was doing a hip-hop thing in the Bay Area. It's yep. like, let's do queer hip-hop before queer hip-hop was a thing. <laughs> we started, we, you know, we started to define our spaces, and then the generation that followed took it to the next level as well. Uh, honey, just speaking back, I, was, I found a fly. For remember we did colored. <laughs> you know I don't remember shit. Well, we did a we did a we we did a party. We did a series of parties called Colored, what? where we where we were recla- we were reclaiming the term colored, 
Um, Nigga, what were we doing? Yes, it was called colored. It was great. We were claiming the term colored. It was called colored. And it was these were dope parties that we did in San Francisco and Oakland. And I found like two flyers for it. You designed the flyer. (laughs) Okay, listen, listen. It sounds like there might have been some party enhancements. Perhaps, but okay, so show me the fly and then my brain will get the visual. You know, it seems like text me to fly, nigga. Like, I really don't remember nothing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but that's, you know, that, that happens. That happens. Whoa. I hate, you know, it's really frustrating sometimes where people remind you of whole pockets of your life. You just don't forget. <laughs> but I think what was but, great about that time, too, was it was that that was a space we created. And it was very intentionally a mixed space, mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I will say this. I do think it's geographic. I, I find that there have been certain spaces I feel like when I lived in Brooklyn, I definitely had both gender relationships. I feel like when I moved to Atlanta, like it oh. was very no, like, happening. I think yeah. DC is another space where you don't find much mixing between the two. Um, but I also think in Cincinnati, since I've come back here, because the community is smaller and we don't have that many spaces that are ours, mm-hmm. I actually find that I have more contact. For example, Jamon and I regularly go to a new spot called Black Coffee Lounge. And it's, it's a Black-owned space. It is the only Black-owned coffee shop in the city. Right. Wow. But it's also very queer. <laughs> I, I don't think they, I think it's unofficially like, it's oh, as that's queer as the city is, right? It's pretty so, queer. It's a, but I, it's not like officially that branded saw that you way. in the record store. We right. see folks in the coffee shop. You see, you see folk in there all the time and then you see them out at the bar or whatever. So it's really interesting that even that space is a space where everybody kind of comes together. But I wonder as cities are bigger and people can afford to have their own, we can just do a women's party and just be with each other. Or we can just do a men's thing, and but but I also don't want to discount. There are real misconceptions and mythologies out there about each other. Child, um, so well, about you know, it. No, let's talk about it. No, no, really, for real, for real, for real, for real. We need to we need to go there because that's yeah. really that's what really... at the root of a lot of it. Okay, so, so how I'm a, about I'm a, can I throw I know, one I out? Gotta, yeah, okay, all right. That's what I'm gonna say. Let's all throw one out. I, I gotta throw one out because this this happened, and Jamon knows about this at mm-hmm. Cincinnati Pride, Black Pride this year. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were a series of altercations. <laughs> Good word choice. Big really? altercations, like tables thrown, no, 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 uh, no, like no, cops no. showing tables up. Were swung like hammers. Wow. Um, I had never and, seen before. And I, I remember as walking out, and I remember two gay boys being like, those damn lesbians. Mm. But what do they mean by that? It, in Cincinnati, especially among a certain age range, like a lot of the fights that happen in gay spaces are like lesbian girls. And you know, like- she she met her girlfriend yesterday. She's in love. Another girl said hi to her. This is another misconception. And now they're together. And her ex that she broke up with two days ago said hi. And now they're ready to fight. <laughs> it's it's okay. Now everyone. So- <laughs> yeah, we were so, talking about right, we were talking right. about lesbian fights. Child, okay, all right. I'll speak to that. Mm. Um, here's my here's my philosophy around that. First of all, that ain't in any that ain't everybody. I mean, it is literally a stereotype. That is a kind of bitch. Okay, right. <laughs> for real, for real. And usually, it's it's young people, younger people. All right. Um, I've never seen a fight or some blowout with actual adults. It has to be some has to be a real real beef to get an adult to start swinging like that. Okay. But when you're young, you and, and in the world that we're in, the, a lot of masculine um, women um, are understanding what their masculinity means to them. And the only point of reference they have, unfortunately, is the drama you see on TV, the drama you see on the world, and how men are react to things, you know, as if their masculinity is conflated with um, being a man. But they're not a man. And masculinity, no one owns masculinity, no one owns femininity. It's just an energy. But how people try to interpret that, unfortunately, the points of references that they have are really toxic. 
you know, and there's no one really speaking um, to that child. I've been in the club where I saw a homegirl. Home I literally had to hold, well, me and my girls held her back, like, you know, slow your roll, young homie, because dragging homegirl by her wig or her weave or whatever through the club. I was like, what kind of madness is this? I said, oh, Nobody I needs to be dragged. I'm like, like a, like a caveman, homie. Cause they had some beef or whatever. She's like, get on me, get on me. I'm like, bruh, slow your roll. What are you doing? <laughs> you know? But that is a problem. But let me tell you this. For every lesbian I see throw arms at each other, I've been outside of boys clubs when y'all go for it. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> I've seen it with my own eyes time after time. So y'all can't say all that about us and act like y'all just peace, peace with each other. Mm, baby, I love you. No. <laughs> well, no, that's what I was going to get at. Like this night that Timum is talking about, like, so again, I threw it out before, but I'm kind of a late bloomer. So I'm like starting to kick it with people and, you know, show up in these spaces. And I'm like literally kicking it with a few of my favorite lesbian women that kind of hang around our crew here in Cincinnati and I get out and I see this craziness and I'm, and everybody's in there like damn lesbians. And I was like, Nah, that's not a thing, because I just, you know, left my girls, and they don't do that. And then, shortly after that, I see, like, all of these guys fighting outside of another bar, and it's like, yeah, this is why the gays can't get together. I'm like, no, no, no. We've been running, like, a long-standing, every-week bar night with nothing but a bunch of queer black men every Thursday night, and ain't never had a fight. So, I don't really dig into or buy into any of the stereotypes, but we've got to acknowledge that if everybody's there... Everybody's got a cousin that loves to fight and has some shit going on. <laughs> and you bring that cousin to the club. Girl, I got two of them. <laughs> so I think one of the things, that, and, and, and I know, honey, for we're househeads, right? Mm -hmm. I was also just thinking about when we talk about generational, like I think there's something about the frequency of house music. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was like, I, I can't ever Never. remember seeing a fight Never. at a house music Ever. Pause. Timum legitimately believes that house music is the cure to all of the wrongs in the world. I he literally mean, just slid in there. The if we played that, more house music, nobody would fight. I'm from Chicago. I cannot disagree. Okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm from New York. I, 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 I have laid witness to the bomb that house music is. Yeah. I appreciate it. <laughs> you but appreciate, I you have ain't no not yet. You ain't no house head. I, you I have ain't no not yet head. accepted house music as my savior for the free pardon of my sins. <laughs> not yet. It has not but let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. There is not one house club, one house event that I've been to that one, for some weird reason, it's really hard to bump into another house heavy on the dance floor. You know, you all going crazy. There's some weird <laughs> synergy going on. One, but when you do bump into, it's always peace, peace, love, love. Not, oh, nigga, why you step on my shoe? Yeah. So it's, 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 you, you bump into the person and then you move together into the next dance. Or you dance together. <laughs> yes. I've I seen, agree. I've seen bull, oh, I'm about to say bull daggers. I, I'm really going back in the day. I want to, I want to emphasize, I want to emphasize to the degree of the masculinity mm -hmm. in women that I've seen dance with brothers to house music. They both catch a moment. And next thing you know, homeboy is picking homegirl up and she is just flying her hands in the air. Like she is free as a bird and just and living her life. And he is just, and she's like, I'm flying, you know? And it's like, he's like, yeah, baby, you know, and it's, it's, but that, but okay, Let's, but, we but, go, I, we, we but I, I <laughs> think that there's something to that. I don't think that's oh, a yeah. digression because I think okay. when you mentioned the energy, right? Like mm -hmm. when we think yeah. of gender and energy, yes. I feel like it's one of those spaces and there's something about the frequency of house music. I don't know if it's ancestral, mm. uh, if we look at like our, our, our history on the continent and just like a more fluid understanding of gender. But I think you're right. Like there's something about like, this is a frequency and we are a community and we're dancing. And I also think there's something historically about house music coming out of Chicago uh, being uh, largely like it's, it's one of the forms of music that we can say is like black queer music. Right. Mm -hmm. And obviously we have shared it with people all over. But it's it's actually something that we help popularize. Mm -hmm. And I also think there's that connection to a lot of the pain concurrent that was happening with the HIV epidemic. Mm. Because a, a, lot of, a lot of the DJs yeah. passed away. A lot of those men that were dancing. I was telling somebody the other day, I rarely meet black gay men who are 60 plus, 60 to 70. 
These would have been men that were in their late 20s and 30s when I was a teenager. Yeah. And when I do meet them, they say, oh, all my friends are gone. I'm the only one left. And I I can't imagine, like, if my whole generation of friends who I danced with and partied with, and then at some point it's like they're not here anymore. And you see them waste away, and then they're not there. And the lesbian women often were there with the gay men, right? So I think they have a different experience and proximity, not just to like, we're having a good time, but they actually were there with these brothers when some of them were getting sick and at the hospices mm. when their families had That's the soul of the music, right? Like, I think that to have that music as the point of reference to not only the suffering, but the community and the family and all of that, like, yeah. I get it. I guess I can go on to join the Church of House Music. I'm well, listen, the Church of House Music, one thing I think, and I know, and, and this is not a digression, just to wrap up the, the house point, for those of you who do not understand house, the last thing you want to do to understand house is to listen to it on Spotify. You need to take your ass oh, true. to a proper club or event where there is a house community because house is not just music. It is the community of dancers. And that is what makes it infectious or it's a part of what makes it infectious. You can't, can't no, you cannot be on the the sideline. You have to be in the middle, in the thing, actively participating to catch the spirit. Right? Yes. (laughs) Yes. Exactly. Yeah. You start with as human beings, we feed off each other, we feel each other's pain. There's mm-hmm. times that I've seen a brother or a sister to the right or left of me, you can tell they was having a moment, yeah. they was going through something, and they was they was releasing. Yeah. And that affected me, and, and, and my whole night was just, I was releasing with you. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? So, But saying. that's cultural, right? Like, that is no different than, I make the joke about church, but then what people do in church, what people have done, like, you know, across the diaspora for thousands of years. That's what we do. Like, we feel music, we we move to it, and we let it do what it needs to do, and we feel what we need to feel, we release, we connect, we... That's what we do with with our music. Mm -hmm. Well, and I I think there's also something about, in, in black, queer, and trans experience, the church being kind of the centerpiece, the black church of a lot of our spirituality, but then being pushed out of those spaces or being cast out of Mm -hmm. those spaces, but still having that need for that spirit. Like, I mean, I have cried, like bawled my eyes out on the dance floor. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Like literally where someone's like, he's having his moment. We got you just feel your, feel what you got to feel. And it's, it's the, it's the closest I get to that church, churchy experience when people go there, but it's, I think it's connected. It's just that that has been denied to me in the fullness of who I am. And so, like, when, when you would hear people talk about it, when we were in the Bay Area, and they said, let's go to church to the end up on Sunday. And it was literally on a Sunday. Um, yeah. You know, it was literally, like, that whole thing of, yeah, let's, like, this was a release. This was a ritualistic kind of thing that we did. And, and those spaces were, you know, I, I think I'm very cognizant when there are just men around. Yeah. Mm. Um, and I think, you know, it's interesting, uh, Jamon, because this uh, at the bear night this week, I invited women and I was like and it was just it was a different energy. The, the energy in the space was very different because there were women in the space. I experienced that last night, actually. I went to I went to the club, went to the Eagles, which is actually a bear leather club by trade, mm-hmm. <laughs> but the first Fridays, I mean, it's still a bear leather club, but first Fridays, there's more of a, a diversity in there because it's, it's Ron Pullman and people there to get their house on, right? And I brought um, about four of my homegirls um, with me, um, Gina, um, Gina mm-hmm. Bree Love, um, I brought uh, Ty and Ashley. Anyway, I brought my homegirls with me and, and one homeboy too. And it literally, and it's not a big club, it literally shifted the energy because then the boys, for some reason, were attracted to us. And it was not attracted, obviously, but like attracted to us. And it, we all kind of created a synergy together. And, and Ron Palmer was doing some, some, you know, house gospel. He mixed strange fruit. I'm like, what you mm-hmm. doing, nigga? Like, <laughs> you know, so we were all having our moment together as black people, as black family, girl, boy, whatever. That was not the issue. It wasn't like, because sometimes, you know, when I go to boys' clubs, you know, well, not for nothing. When I go to boys' clubs, sometimes I'm mistaken for a boy in the dark. <laughs> but <laughs> you know, Hanifa been giving off them daddy vibes. You know what I mean? Nah, I mean, nah, I mean. But, 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 but sometimes 
I think that I'm not necessarily embraced. Like, they don't necessarily want me there if it comes down to it. Like, I have to feel it out. That's not not all boy spaces. But sometimes I got to feel it out because I... As a, you know, okay, you know, but we should continue on with our stereotypes. <laughs> yeah, so it's, it's interesting <laughs> that you were going there because yeah. um, when I came into the community in the, like, late 90s, early 2000s, um, one of the first places that I went to regularly was the East of the Ryan. Mm-hmm. And the East of the Ryan had, like, drag night. Um, and that was, like, you know, you go where you know to go, right? <laughs> and so it's everybody there. I'm absolutely falling in love with everybody in the community. And I come into the community understanding it being that type of communal space. Like absolutely everybody is their LGBT and everybody else in the rainbow. Right. Um, And so it wasn't until like maybe two or three years later. No, probably not two or three years, but it was a, a considerable amount of time later that I learned that the girls were going to a different party before the east of the ride so the girls and boys were at different parties and then they came there together right i didn't know about the parties before right Ah. so i was there once everybody came back together at the like late night party end of the night type of thing Mm -hmm. and to your point tim um one of the things that always happens so this is a saturday night going into sunday and then one of the performers will always do a gospel song. And now I'm like, wait, I don't know how to like how to feel about this. <laughs> like, what is like what what's happening right now? Is this what we're doing? And uh, at one point somebody was like, This might be the only place we can go and have church. Right? <laughs> this might be the only place that we can be in the spirit and and enjoy this experience without feeling like somebody's going to think we're doing too much or we don't have a right to wave our hand like that or whatever. And we can hug and embrace each other and not worry about if anybody is, is judging us. And I was like, okay, I can let that go. Right? So I think like once we start having these conversations, then we like really get a chance to understand each other. What I did find when I left Chicago and went to Atlanta, a lot of um, boys and girls weren't together, but it was kind of, it felt catty, like, to be honest. It felt like that's where I first started hearing, like, fish and, like... Okay, that's what I know, want to get into. Right? That, that's, that's the big one. That is the huge uh, one. Let me tell you, I remember I remember uh, um, telling off my one of my really good friends from high school who was gay, right? Oh, he is gay. And I invited him to a party. It's a little time ago. I invited him to a party. It's all girls. It was a white party, too. So we was out, honey, looking good in this house party, <laughs> right? He's coming. He's all upset <laughs> because ain't no niggas here. I was like, bruh, <laughs> whatever. He's like, ain't nothing but fishy. I said, first of all, if you don't want to get punched in your face, you better watch your vocabulary, okay? I said, when's the last time you even got close to a pussy, honey? What you know what it smell like, okay? So that term is probably the most term that will get me to fight. Not to fight in, but get me in fight mode. And I'd never understood, it's so malicious, it's so fucked up, but it's so taken for granted with gay boys that they almost are offended if you tell them don't say it. Like, it's almost like them saying the word the. (laughs) Like, how can I not say the word the? (laughs) You know, and I'm like, bruh. So casual. Well, but but here but here's some, um, and I think this is a more positive spin on it. It it is it is rooted in sexism, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, it is rooted in misogyny, and I think that just because boys figure out that they like other boys does not take away their sexist, misogynistic conditioning. And so there's a form of sexism that translates its way into gay culture. Uh, it's touching women's bodies uh, without consent. Right, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm gay, so I can just walk up to you and, and grab your breast. Mm-hmm. Problematic. Nigga, I can't even do that. Right. Well, and <laughs> and I wouldn't want that to be done to me. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. By by uh, just because someone's a lesbian, I don't want my ass grabbed just because mm-hmm. you feel like it's okay. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that there are these liberties, but I think uh, on a positive side, me and some brothers in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, created something called the Sweet Tea Collective. You can look it up. We wrote a sweet tea manifesto, and this was a manifesto mostly by queer men of color about how do we challenge gay men on our sexism and the way that it shows up 
in terms of our relationship to women. Um, even I think that there's there's the kind of respectful parody or mimicking of of black women, right? If, if I think it, it bothers me most when I see like white gays men sort of doing what I think is a lot of mimicking black women, but I'm like, but you won't have black women in your life. Like you don't, mm-hmm. you don't know any of them, but you can walk around. <laughs> you and, wasn't raised you talking can, that way. Right. You can walk around and be yes, girl. And, you know, get my life. And I'm like, mm, you know, and, and there, so there's that translation of like black women affect into black gay stuff. And then it just, it ends up losing a sense of the source, which at, at, at times can be just very disrespectful to like where it comes from. Um, but, but, but I also think in terms of, I, I'm, I'm hopeful because I do think, even though I think this whole gender non-binary piece that younger people are embracing is actually creating a space for more communication across. I remember dialogue. when I worked at Smack and at the center on Halstead and you would have a stud that got pregnant by a gay boy who was effeminate and we were just like, you know, in my yeah. generation, we were mind blown, like, how did that happen? And for them, it's like, oh, like, we was hanging out, she was cute, we did our thing, and now we have a baby together. And literally, the gay boy is, like, practically breastfeeding the baby, and the stud is behind him, like, you know, you, you could go get the Pampers. You know? <laughs> I and as, as crazy as that seems... When you think about Love black, it. when you think about black people and freedom, like I'm yeah. like, mm-hmm. they are free black people who decided to do something that they wanted to do and take responsibility for it. Yeah. And but that's I think always that been the case. sometimes I have to check like my own sort of binary, like, okay, this is, the, here's a category. And like the younger kids are kind of not buying into this is what I have to do. Thank goodness. Yeah. Right. But younger people and people of color have always had to carve out our own space, like yeah. particularly black people. It's, we... What I I regularly say, and it's not to, like, take away responsibility where it has to be taken, but it's important that we realize, yes, the world has changed, things have shifted, we've gone forward, but power has not shifted. Like, power still is maintained with those cisgendered, mostly heterosexual white men that run the world, they have all the money, they write the narratives, history's written by the winners, and they're going to keep winning for the next little while, so... It's important that we like take that into context when we realize the reason we deal with these situations and the reason these things come up is because unless we do an active unlearning and actively teach young people earlier around misogyny and around uh, sexism and where that power actually exists and what our responsibility and our relationship are is to those things, nothing's going to change. Well, you know, you, you really said the word there, and it's power. And I think, you know, for, as human beings, let's just take it down to the, the baseline. As human beings, our relationship with power and how we're taught to understand it and then use it to relate to others, that fundamentally needs to be unlearned. Because at the end of the day, it still comes down, okay, I'm getting fucked. All right, who's below me? Mm. Let me, let me, let me adjust. Even if it gets down to the, the last kernel where it's the, to the, down to the damn dog. <laughs> you know, just the, the kid above it. Like, I'm getting shitted on by my parents. All right, where's the dog? I'm going to kick it. I'm like, seriously. Yeah. <laughs> it's like we need to kick something or to feel propped up or to some sort of bomb against whatever someone else is doing to us yeah. in this per- in this per- perception of power. So the words like, using the words like fish and everything or using words that, to the point where you've only almost become numb to using it, but it 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 literally makes it, I don't know any woman that doesn't cringe with that who doesn't want to like oh, like have like a fight type yeah. of you know snap reaction. Yep. I don't know any woman that is comforted by that. Right. And it, but it said it can be said so liberally to yes. women. It, but right. it goes back to that or power in a, thing. or in a company of women. My calling you fish is a direct but irresponsible response to me being called a faggot. Say right. Word. Same word, same word. I've been same. called a faggot my whole life. Yep. I've been made to feel less than because I like boys or I'm effeminate or whatever those things that didn't fit within the norm. And my response is because of capitalism and because of supremacy, you know, the, the way our society works, I can't be on the bottom. Somebody else has got to be on the bottom. Fish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just mm-hmm. that quick. But yeah, it's, yes. you know, it, that's, that's, it's really interesting. And I think it also, when I think about, like, trans women of color, black trans women, and the most the most problematic things I have heard come out of people's mouth about black trans women have come from black gay men. 
Mm. Well, what did she do that led to her being murdered? Like literally, I, I have really? this I have this conversation yeah, almost I on have, a daily basis, and I think it's that same idea that like, well, you know, I'm gay, but I'm not that. Right. Or I told her she better not. I've seen that. I've seen that. Like when something has happened and a trans woman has, uh, you know, found herself in a situation where she was misused or abused by a man. Then there's, yeah, I saw her in the club and I told her that she better stop because dot, dot, dot. As though it's some way okay to some man thought that he could put his hands on this woman or, you know, worse. The only one that I've heard personally is that, um... This happens because trans women won't just date gay men. Like, they always want to go Ooh. get straight men. And that's why they put themselves. And I was like, whoa. Like, <laughs> These women find a man that want them? The nigga, then it wouldn't be, they wouldn't be your T. They just be up in the gym, bitch. I, I, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. Like, I have the it's full, like, brain like, mushroom. That's what we do. That's the second half of it. We abuse and we erase. Mm. Like, so I don't, don't let that, a lesbian start talking about erasure, honey. I mean, it's there though, but that's what we do, and but, it happens on those lines of power. But I, I also want to flip it and talk about it on the other side because we have we have got gone in on the gay men, and I think there are definitely those yes. issues. I think that the sexism is a, an extension. Well, come with it, come with it. Mm-hmm. But so I remember, and Jamal might even remember this when Nipsey Hussle okay. uh, was murdered. And there was a thread on my page, and I was basically, like, there were gay men who were, like, pretty upset that, like, Nipsey Hussle had said things about, like, gay men not being real men. You know, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, uh, Mm -hmm. this is for the real men, not homosexual, not blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And for me, it was like, okay, like, that's problematic. And he, you know, in the face of his death, people were saying, well, like, we shouldn't bring that up because, you know, he has just died. Like, there's some kind of reverent space that we don't have to be critical of people even as we say that it was yeah. it was horrible that he was murdered I, i'll be the first to say that but do i can i not still own that he said some problematic things that basically erase and invisibilize an entire group of people and what was interesting about that conversation it was it was basically a black lesbian woman who told me on a thread that i had black gay male privilege and that like black straight men have it harder than black gay men in America, uh, which I'm still not sure where she, the logic around that is coming from. But first I think of all, this... she ain't representing no lesbian population. I know. She, she is rolling solo. She is rolling solo because yeah. if anything, black women are very keenly aware, except this one woman, but very keenly aware of the totem pole. Well, but but I but I do it's think known, I, have, right? I have been in spaces where I've heard stud, you know, butch women kind of refer to gay men as, oh, he's a faggot mm-hmm. or a sissy. Soft. And I think here's the thing. If you are if you are emulating a toxic black masculinity, if what mm-hmm. if, if 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 my being authenticated and validated as a butch person means that I act like the men that I see, mm-hmm. well, the black men that I see call effeminate men faggots or right. girls or mm-hmm. sissies. So I'm just doing the things that they do as an alignment with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I have I have seen, and I don't think it's a majority, but I have seen black women take on the kind of toxic masculinity that makes them very homophobic among gay men. Are, um, for example, like I've had situations, especially if I'm, in a predominantly women's space where I'm assumed to be a guy that's there trying to look for women, mm-hmm. right? You know, because I remember back when I, I used to go to Pandora's Box in New York City, like way, 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 way back in the day when it was right on like that circle, that Christopher Street Square. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I was one of the few guys that they would let in because it was like, oh, he's cool. But there were women that literally thought, okay, he's here to intrude, invade our space, we don't feel safe. And and so I value women being able to have their own spaces. Um, but I also think we need intentional spaces where we can come together. Yes, yes. Intentional, to, yeah, that we can come together. I mean, listen, the whole uh, 
I mean, I've been checked by by an ex-girlfriend, actually, um, on the use of the word faggot. Not even just the use of, like, towards someone, but just literally just saying the word faggot. I'm, you know, because in my head, I thought, like, oh, that's just something we all claim, right? But nobody, nobody has ever called me faggot, <laughs> okay? And so I, I got checked on that, and I started to really understand. So I don't use the word anymore. Um, some of our friends, we kind of make this because we thought that we were, because we were feminine or more feminine than not um, butchers, we were like, no, we're fake all. <laughs> but even that, we, you know, we, you know, we can keep it. We'll never, you know. So, so, but I, I think when that word is used with lesbians towards gay men in a kind of flip it or just, you know, mean, malicious way, um, it's. I can only imagine, and when I have used it, I've always been mad. It's always been some sort of defense. And when I get down to it, if I was to be really, really, really honest, it was a defense not so much because uh, or, or gay had nothing to do with it. It really came thing like, how do I fight in this moment? Where does my power lie? Can I throw this word at him? You know what I mean? Like, seriously, like, because I'm not going, well, not me. I'm not going to swing on a nigga. I ain't trying to get knocked out. I ain't a fighter. What can I use in this moment where I'm feeling like, you know, someone is coming at me I'm going to, the only thing I have is this word, right? And not not to justify any of that. And that's kicking the dog, really, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. That's kicking, you know what I'm saying? So um, to some degree, I think it is an issue with uh, um, where it gets down to like this old school training of like, how do I defend myself as a girl? If I'm in a situation with men, any kind of man, what, where does my power lie? If I only have my voice, let me come with the meanest shit I can think of. What where what button can I push that's gonna actually infect infect him? Like I want to see this. I, I'm getting kind of deep for myself anyway, but I'm like the a women's women's relationship in general with men is always this navigation of power and, and not so much power like we want to overpower you, but we want to prevent you from overpowering us. And I think I think that's key yeah. because I think that in some because I present as masculine when I have been in spaces like. One thing that would happen very early on is that lesbians would, if they found out that I was gay, they would immediately start girling with me. Oh, well, hey, girl, how you? And I'm like, I'm not that kind of gay. <laughs> because it's it's almost like some lesbian women are more comfortable. And I think women in general are often more comfortable with a kind of caricature, a feminine. See, I don't get any of that. Maybe, but it's because I, you're I, really masculine. But like, I don't know how I show up. But like, all women treat me the same way. Um, and, <laughs> no, they do. Like, all women treat me the same way. And I like my gender expression. Really, I feel most insecure when I'm in a room full of gay guys because I don't know which side of the room to be on, um, or mm. like which side of the room I'm. It's not even so much where I feel comfortable. It's like, what are they? How do they see me? Right? Like, am I one of the girls or am I like, you know, on the Timum end of the spectrum? But, but, I, and, but, but I do. With women, they just, I, mm -hmm. I don't get any of that. But I think if you're in a space and people don't already know you, I think in spaces where I'm known and it's known that I'm queer, yeah. I'm not seen as a threat. Um, this was something that I thought about as, which I think is an, another good place to go here. I, I think as I came into my awareness as Pan and not just a gay man, and started mm. to own that identification. Uh, and there are women, I, there are lesbian women that I find incredibly attractive. Um, but I also was just like, okay, I don't want that to be misread, or I don't want to set up this thing where I'm disrespecting. But I do think that there's a space between black women and black men who are in the life that is a lot more fluid and complicated than we sometimes like to make it. I think that there are attractions across those lines. I think that there are deep, passionate, intense, intimate relations. And, and Hanifa and I know this because we have a we have an intimacy as friends mm -hmm. that I'm, I'm sure people could be like, well, okay, that was a lot. But it's just I don't to me that it's just black freedom. It but means that like when I'm when I'm, when I'm around Hanifa, I do not feel hyper-conscious about how I show up. I can vogue with Hanifa. I can be super butch with Hanifa. And yeah. to me, it's like, how do we find, to me, the, the, the win in this conversation of where we go, how can we create spaces where we maximize our black freedom? When we're not in our heads that. about how we're earlier. showing up. So right, I think that, oh, I'm sorry. I just want to hold my thought. Say what you okay. Say. So I was going to say that, um, 
what you were getting at is these spaces exist because a lot of us have done the work. We've either been made uncomfortable and forced into these learnings and understandings, or we've had safe spaces to ask and have questions answered, or we have just built community amongst each other and it happens more fluid. But, you know, I work in the education space and those things are so gendered so early Mm. that these things are prescribed and defined immediately. Walking into an early learning center, these things are defined for kids and they assume these identities and, you know, God forbid, like I remember getting my ass whooped for playing with my sister's toys. Like these are the things that um, that exist really early that make it really hard to just be. And the reason why we have that fluidity that a lot of either straight people or people who don't have community amongst each other have is because we've been able to do that work. And I think that the answer to that is facilitating spaces and tearing down barriers amongst children, like as early as possible, getting them to understand that their identity is separate of, you know, the gender that they were assigned at birth or even how they, you know, identify as far as their gender or sex, I should have said, how they identify as far as their gender. But what do you want to do? Like, who do you want to be? Who do you want to show up as? How do you interact with other people and allowing them space to define those things for themselves and move freely between them all? I mean, no, you go ahead. Go ahead. No, no, no. I mean, all he's saying makes, I mean, at the end of the day, it all starts in childhood. That's zero to five. If we don't lock that down, it's like it's an uphill battle from then on. You know what I mean? Um, But back to the, you know, something you said, you know, uh, um, Tim, in regards to um, uh, some lesbian women seeing you maybe not as a threat, but like someone with, you know, who's disingenuous because you are, are maybe masculine presenting, you know, and that they may um, like more catty men. I actually experienced the exact opposite because in, in, in my understanding, I'll speak for myself. I'm not going to speak for anyone, anyone else, but I'll speak for myself. I always uh, 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 think that when I think I take cattiness, um, fish and cattiness are synonymous in my head. So I, I'm actually more... You gotta be a catty motherfucker to call somebody fish. Well, they out there. And I feel, I get in automatic defense mode when I'm around a lot of catty gay men. Or I'm around any catty gay men because my, I'm literally perking my ears up waiting for that nigga to slip. You know what I mean? Or, or you know, come at me in a way that's like, what? Now, not all uh, feminine men, obviously, because I've, I've had wonderful relationships with, with a feminine men, but there's something about a feminine men that consistently I will hear fish out of their mouths or they'll come with almost like they got spinach in their teeth when they're thinking about it. It's like, it's like a like an underlining hatred in their vocal cords, goddammit, when it comes to women, and that's something I personally don't want to be around, right? Whereas on the flip... You know, Tilma is one of the first um, uh, men or gay men that I've known in my life that what I appreciated about him is that the way he presents, I get to interact with that brand, if you will, of masculinity in a freeing way. I can hold him, you know what I mean? And because there is something, there is an energy about uh, masculinity inside of a male body that is distinct, that as a woman, I don't have regular full, well, not full, you know what I mean, mostly I have access to, I can hug you, I can kiss you, I can, I'm like, oh, man, you know, I'll touch your chest, you know, but it's, you know, it's nothing sexual, but I think that's important, too, that we can interact, we have, feel safe with each other, and I've, I know that the brothers that I've known that have been more masculine presenting, and we've already crossed that line that we love and respect each other. I enjoy their presence in my life. Maybe it's because of my own relationship with masculinity. I don't know. But I know for sure that I think I get more on the defense with more feminine, bro. Like, they have a greater bar to prove to me <laughs> that, they, that they're on point. And we can be friends. But I'm wondering I mean? if, we're, if we're talking about this as gendered bodies, right? Because the, the other misnomer that I hear quite often is gay men saying that lesbians have it easier. Uh, oh, yeah, no, that's, Jermon can yeah. attest to this. Oh, it's, it's, it's very commonly I known that, like, rapidly. that black, that. black, no, no that this, is a, this is a thing that black, a lot of black gay men will say, well, black lesbians have it easier. In what capacity? I think in the sense that, like, you may see more black lesbians publicly displaying affection than you might mm-hmm. see gay men. Um, nothing else. <laughs> so for younger, for younger queer Ain't people, I think that especially um, if you go to the high school, it's like you will see girls with girls all the time, but you will very seldom see two gay boys 
in a relationship where they're not being physically threatened, uh, which, which I don't, I think it's a leap to say that they have it easier. I think it just shows up because I think part of that easiness is that we don't respect lesbian relationships. Like a part as an extension Thank of the you. sexism, it's like that's not a real relationship because there's not a penis involved, right? right. And so mm-hmm. therefore, like I don't have to be threatened by these two women doing that little play thing that they do, or they're sexualized, or that it's it's like it's for my pleasure that they're doing it for me, and that my heterosexuality is that's an extension of my heterosexuality and the privilege that I get to carry. So I think it, it's problematic, but I will say it is important to name that is a common perception. Mm-hmm. I also think there are some gay men who don't have good relationships with their mothers, mm, right? If, and and if you think about that, if, and if your mother was the person to say you were a faggot or kick you out or say you're going to burn mm. in hell and you have run to the space of men because of your physical sexual attraction, there's still some reconciliation, some healing that needs to be done around your relationship with the That's primary cool. woman figure in your life. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, I won't date a man that does not, have some positive opinion about women or their mother because that's some work that has to be done right Mm -hmm. and i feel Mm -hmm. like that that when i like thinking about the healing and trying to get us to that other space like how how do i relate to the genders you know based on the trauma and pain that i may have experienced Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think that some of that negative stuff that comes up because it's not all men it's not all gay women but when it exists there's usually something behind it I wanted to kind of um, pin here and ask the two of you about being fathers of daughters, like in this environment. Like, what what has your experience been? Like, what you know, just if you could speak on that at all. I'll speak a little bit first because I think Jermon, it's interesting to have to be a dad with a grown daughter that I help bring up. You know, at least through the high school, college years, not as a little girl. And I think when I get to witness Jermon, like, really, like, I think Jermon living into his full self is in part because of his daughter, you know, and he needed he needed to show up and be as authentic as possible for her. And it's just beautiful watching her be in a space where she gets to see her dad be free. Right. Mm -hmm. And I'm like. How how different? Like how different would our would we be if our parents? Think about that. Like our mm. parents mm. did not get to show up. Mm. Like like oh, my dad true. and my mom and I, we have conversations now about well, you know, this wasn't allowed, and I wasn't able to do this, and this is how I had to show up. And I think some of that is the legacy that we carry forward. So when I think about you know when Shannon came out as bi or as queer, like. And I was like, this is just an expression of being in a space where a a parent figure allows you to just be authentic and be your full free self. And so that's what I would say about it. I think like everything Shannon is continuing to become is just like my permission to be like, girl, like, and sometimes she surprises me and does, I'm like, oh, okay. Well, that's an extension of the freedom that I am actually saying, you know, I need you to live in that because I've seen the cost of my mental health, my spiritual health, my wellness, mm-hmm. when I have to kind of fit into something that's not real for me. Yes. Whew, child. Okay. Jamon? Yeah, so all that. <laughs> but being a dad, period, but particularly a dad of a daughter, is probably the most magical thing that ever happened to me. Um, most people that know me know that my daughter is pretty much attached to me. If she could climb inside, she would. Uh, <laughs> I had issues with most of my life around like physical affection, and it wasn't something that I felt comfortable with, but she required that I learn it. Mm. Like she does most things, and mm-hmm. you know, for her sake, I became comfortable. And every day I let her climb all over me and kiss me and touch me, and I tell her I love her. and. She literally, if she does not come in from school and climb into my lap and touch my face and talk to me and all of those things, she won't sleep through the night. I recognize that she needed it. And she's been that way since the night she was born. The night she was born, she would be up uh, every, she was up every 15 minutes. And her mom was like, listen, this ain't gonna work because she's got a brother. Her brother is the exact opposite. He's easy. I love him for that. But um, she was up every 15 minutes, and I was like, oh, 
let me pull her closer because she was sleeping in a bassinet on the other side of the room. I put her right next to me and she slept through the night. Mm -hmm. And that's literally been our relationship since the day she was born. So I know it was a long backstory, but uh, through that, I learned to listen and I learned to like show up for her however she needed me to. And that's not uh, a thing that I ever did in a relationship period before. And uh, in that, I learned that in order to do that, I had to do that as my old self. And I had to be authentic and honest. And I had to learn to communicate better than I had been used to communicating before. So the intentionality behind parenting is something that I learned through trying to parent her because she's a child who her brain and I work in education. I know everybody thinks their child is a genius. My child is actually gifted. Like she um, <laughs> understands things just a little differently. And she cognitive, her cognitive ability, you know, goes beyond like her age. She's four, but she understands really complex things. So like, I do wonder, and that this is just a question. I mean, Red, I know you are raising kids as well. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I had a, there was a really uncomfortable conversation today where a lesbian woman was defending Kevin Hart's desire not to have a gay kid. Um, they need to stop being I think that. people are weird and stop reading the comments. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, I, 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 yeah, I know. That's, and you that's, know what, Tim, these people keep going because you read the comments and you tell us about them. I, no, I do. I have no idea what you're saying. And I often regret them. But but what it spoke to me was, and, and, and basically the logic was, the, the world is hard, life is hard for queer people. Like, I don't want my kid to be gay. Life is hard for Negroes. Yeah, life is hard life is for hard, women, period. straight women. The you know what I'm saying? That life is hard. Yeah. Life right. is hard. Life is hard for disabled people. Right. Life is hard if you get sick. Deeply problematic. <laughs> and my one thing of my is, friends, mm -hmm. Lee Colson, he says, he's a black man, and he always says, um, whenever possible, choose softness in a radically hard world. Mm. As a black man, that is a revolutionary act to choose to be soft in a hard world. And I think that that is the one thing that I try to teach my daughter is, you, you know what? You can do my makeup. I love mermaids, too. Let's sit. We can talk. Uh, wh whatever you want to do, I can do it. And I learned that through her because the world is so hard. Yeah. So any opportunity that I can to grab softness, I'm mm -hmm. going after it. I yeah, have something yeah. that's kind of hard that I want to do softly. Um, we are running out of time mm -hmm. on the show. Oh. Yes, it's so are. hard to say goodbye to this conversation. <laughs> but like, we love you both. Like, we are so happy that you were able to come and join us and start this conversation. This yeah. by no means has to be the oh, end absolutely. of the conversation. Station. We definitely um, welcome. Yes. yes, we welcome you all to come back and continue this. Um, our listeners um, we need aunties and uncles, right? <laughs> we need all of this to be a, a, a part of our continued conversation so that we can be a community. Word. Word. <laughs> exactly. And bring it back together. At Absolutely. Least at least sometimes. <laughs> yes. And so right. if so, you have uh, someone that you want us to bring on the show, uh, for our listeners, if you have questions uh, for Hanifa and I or for our uncles, our resident uncles for the show, uh, please feel free to send us a letter. At yougayaunties at gmail.com. You can also um, add comments when we post this on Instagram. Um, give us some feedback um, so that we can continue giving you the content that you like. Beautiful. And of course, um, we want to say again for our thank you again to our Patreon supporters. And we want to encourage you all to become supporters of your gay aunties. So we are starting Sunday brunch with your aunties. Yay. And so the last Sunday of the month, we will videotape us recording the show at Sunday at 10 a.m. in the morning. And by noon, one-ish, post-brunch time, when you have a couple of mimosas in you, you if you are a Sunday brunch supporter, you and only you will receive that video footage you kind of see how we do this behind the scenes because it's mm -hmm. one thing to hear us and it's another thing to see us doing um our thing right. so we want to give that to you and that will only cost ten dollars a month you won't even miss it yeah it's a coffee a cup of coffee, one cup of coffee. <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay if you get all the right. fancy I, stuff I, I, I <laughs> But um, so we appreciate um, y'all who are wanting to support us. And that's one way in which you can. You also can review us on iTunes because we are back on iTunes, y'all. That's a long story. I'll tell you another time. But we are back on iTunes. <laughs> so, of course, your reviews always um, help us 
And with that being said, again, I want to thank you, Tim and Jamal, for coming on and just having a little love fest here. And I am Hanifa Walida. And I am Red Summer. And we are your gay auntie. <laughs> Bye, babies. Bye-bye, darlings.